This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church podcast. Welcome to Revolution, everybody. Thanks for coming. Um, we we uh, start at 11-ish, as usual. Um, what was I going to say? It's been a crazy weekend. Um, you ever have, like... such mixed emotions about things that you just don't know where your brain is. Like, I know you can love and hate at the same time. Or you can, you know, be sad and happy. But sometimes I just have more emotions than I'm comfortable with. Like, this week I think I've decided that I've had about eight conflicting emotions. And I think the weirdest emotion is, is being kind of apathetic and caring at the same time. Like, does one override the other? Like, well, if you're caring, you're caring. But then the other party is like, ah, but I don't really care. I don't know. That's where I've been this weekend. Um, you should never know what life is going to bring you. And I'm a, a obsessive compulsive thinker. I just constantly think, 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 think. And so I've just been overthinking all weekend. And, uh, you know, and I'm always like, working out different scenarios of how things should work out or what if things work out this way or what if things work out that way. And sometimes I wish I could just shut my mind off, but um, I don't take that kind of medication anymore. And I stopped drinking 20-some-odd years ago, so no more blackouts for me. Um, That's probably a good thing. Um, So anyway, life life is tough, life is hard, life is what it is. It's also can be really great and really amazing at times. So, just to learn, I, I'm just learn. I, what I like to learn about life, what I've been learning about life through my reading and studying and through friendships is just learning to live life on life's terms. You know, not getting to the point where I expect to be happy or I expect to escape or I put all my investment in one person that's going to make me happy or one this is going to make me. You know, just live and just kind of accept all of life's emotions to kind of come together. And so, um, and it's a trip, man, because everything in the back of your brain and all of like society and culture says, you know, be happy, be at peace, you know, self-care is going to work for you. You know, it's like, eh, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. You know, I drank a glass of water. I don't feel that great. Then <laughs> they tell you to do yoga and I'm just like, really? I don't know if I can do yoga. <laughs> maybe join a gym maybe like a fighting fight club is there a fight club I could join because that would be pretty tough right you know but you're not supposed to talk about fight club so it's really hard to find in Minnesota you know <laughs> um, just look for some really cool cut muscular attractive people fighting somewhere <laughs> hey guys <laughs> can I join um, if you go back and watch fight club after the end spoiler alert um it starts because he's in a fight, and then someone's like, hey, can we get in on that? But then you realize, like, he's just fighting himself in the beginning. So maybe if I just stand in the street and punch myself, some people will be like, hey, can I join? You know, it'll be like, Revolution Fight Club. Um, we have a tripod now. <laughs> we get a tripod, and then I get a call from Caleb today. He's like, you know, it would be really great is if we could get the audience. We could sh- get shots of the audience talking and stuff like that and for Afterglow. And I was like... 
yeah, that would be cool. And then we're thinking about it, and then he's like, but we'd probably have to get a camera crew. So we could just get the whole audience to be the camera crew, or we could get people just to you know, wear those things when they come in, because we don't have that many people here, you know, where the camera's just right on them, the GoPros, <laughs> like when they go through haunted houses, and they're like, ah! And then I'll just direct from up here, camera one, camera two, camera three. Um, anyway, so that was just a bunch of garbage that you guys got to sit through on Facebook Live. Thank you. I, I'm sure the number probably dropped increasingly. Um, it's really cold outside. What is it, eight degrees right now? <clears throat> yeah. You know it's cold. Like last night when I was drinking my Diet Coke outside and the Diet Coke sticks to your face. <laughs> And it's like ice around the... And then I left a, a case of Diet Coke in my car, and I was like, I think I'm going to have a Diet Coke. And as I'm driving today, and I was like... And it goes... Like, just washed my jeans. Yeah, they're covered in Diet Coke now. My steering wheel is really sticky. Is this what you guys came for, is just to hear me talk about life? Because that's what I'm doing. All right, we're in Galatians. Paul's book of Galatians. Um... We have some visitors here today from all the way from Detroit, which is pretty cool, and uh, drove here to see this. I thought, oh, you must be here to see the Prince exhibit at the museum, and you just stopped by. Nope. They might stop by the Prince exhibit, but they came to see us. <laughs> pretty cool. Um, so, and, 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 and one of them has been following us for 15 years, so... That's a long time. That's a lot of different places for revolution. I guess that's a great thing about being online is that we're just consistent, you know. And she said this. She's a sociologist, and she said one of the things about you in the church is that no matter where you've been, it's always been consistently there. And that's really great feedback to hear. So stay consistent, folks. Highs and lows. I have to not watch myself on camera. I'm like, oh. <laughs> like a little kid. Um, so we're... We're back in Galatians. Paul has been basically, basically it's like Paul is on trial. This, this letter is very cool because, one, it's like my favorite letter on grace. Two, it's a rebuke letter, which is really bizarre. I love that, that the, um, the contradiction in that, that it's the best book on grace, but it's also like this, like, I'm going to rebuke you letter. It's like, wow, that's weird. And um, it definitely has contradictions in it, which I love. Um, I love things with contradictions. I think that's kind of why I'm, I'm liking anarchy even more now, because I'm starting to see the contradictions in anarchy, and I'm like, I kind of like the contradictions in anarchy. Um, I'm an anarchist, but I'll probably still vote. <laughs> well, I can't say I'm an anarchist. I'm an anarchist asterisk. Um, see the footnotes. But that's what I love about this book. And so Paul also is coming, it's like he's rebuking them as a leader and as a pastor of the church, as someone who's helped begin this church, but it's also like he's on trial. And so he's answering his critics in a way that you would answer a judge or a lawyer when you're being cross-examined in some ways. But he's like, you know, it's like when you um, interview somebody for a, uh, a documentary. Um, often I've been a part of a few different ones. Um, and they'll say like, okay, I'm going to ask you a question, but then could you repeat the question and then say your answer because they don't want to be heard, you know? And so it's almost like Paul is like kind of stating the problem 
in stating the you know the question and then answering it. So we've we've been through Galatians one and two. If you haven't seen it, you can listen to it online, revolutionchurch.com or any of our podcasts, or you can watch it. If you're on Facebook, you can just scroll down, and it's there. Um, pretty cool to have sermons up the day of. But um, So we just got out of the whole point where he is confronted Paul. I mean, Paul's confronted Peter, and because Peter wasn't eating with Gentiles, because some of James's, James's disciples come to town, and Paul starts to feel a little bit, weird so he doesn't sit with them so it's it's funny because it's kind of like a high school uh lunchroom um and so paul being the cool rebel (laughs) he's like peter what are you doing man why are you doing this why are you you know you got even my buddy barnabas sitting with you now like afraid to sit with with the gentiles you know what what you know why are you doing this why are you going back to the law why are you making these people like you're free like me, you know, we're both free. Why are you setting up this, these rules again? Why are you <clears throat> setting this bad example? So, so what he's trying to show is that, one, he really believes in inclusion, and two, and that's what a lot of people don't get about Paul. A lot of people, like, I had somebody recently, I think from one of our last talks, was like, you know, I've, I gave up legalism and all this stuff with the church, and I just haven't been able to read Paul ever since. And I think a lot of people think Paul is like the legalistic preacher. And I think that a lot of that comes from pastoral epistles, which I honestly believe were not written by Paul. I think they were written by someone who was trying to clean up Paul. And um, I believe they're forgeries, just pure and simple. Um, and, and I've studied a lot to come to that, to that part. You know, I didn't just read the book Forgeries, which is how it started, but I also started reading finding other books to read about that and i'll recommend them if, if you ask on here i'll find my books at home and be glad to let you know which they what books they are um but um so paul is is is, is doing something very radical here he's really talking about inclusion and i don't think we automatically think about inclusion when we think about the apostle paul but for me I would not understand Christ if it wasn't for the Apostle Paul. Also, um, as uh, tomorrow is Martin Luther King holiday, or Martin Luther King Day, um, someone like Martin Luther King Jr., or Dr. Reverend, or Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, to me, then takes it to another level and shows me what to live Christ is like. Like Paul kind of taught me about what to speak of Christ, how to speak of Christ. And I feel like someone like Martin Luther King Jr. taught me how to live like Christ, you know, and take it even to another level. So I like to see people build on that. And uh, I would say no human being on earth, including Jesus, has ever has had such an influence on me like uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. has um, because he was able to take those things and put them into action and really love his enemies and really care about those who persecute him and uh, walk into basically hell with love and grace. And that's what I want to do with my life. And that's what I try to do here is just kind of encourage people to do that from all different walks of life, you know, because I know we're all in different places 
in our lives. We all work in different types of jobs. We all have different types of friends, all different types of communities. Some of us are liberals. Some of us are liberals. Okay, maybe we have one conservative. Li- now, I know we do have one conservative listener who's a good friend of mine. Um, so, yes, we do. So some of us are conservatives, a conservative, and... Um, but we all have different lives, but we all have to learn to walk into these situations that are tough and have these hard conversations. Um, <clears throat> and this is what Paul is trying to say to Peter, was trying to say to Peter, is like, Peter, if we don't sit with each other, then we discount each other and we don't grow. This community won't grow, I think is what's being said here. And, I, and what I want to do is just not look at the story as a literal story. I want to look at what's happening, what is, what's going on. What's, being, what's, the, what's really being said, not just through the letter, but what's the spirit of the letter? So, Paul goes back into it in Galatians 3. He is kind of a hard hitter. I mean, I get why people have a hard time with him, because this is a book on grace, and here he goes again. O foolish Galatians, <clears throat> who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly ex- exhibited as crucified, The only thing I want to learn from you is this. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you foolish? Are you so foolish? Having started with the Spirit, you are now ending it with the flesh. Did you experience so much for nothing? If you... If you... Really, it really was for nothing. Well, then, does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by your doing works of the law or by you believing in what you've heard? So Paul's going back to saying it's by believing what you heard. It's not by doing works. It's not by your actions. And it's funny because we're very often a very action-driven group. I was doing some research for our next loose in the, one of our next Loose in the Bible Belt um, podcasts. And, uh, and there's this, it's, it's with somebody who really is an outspoken person in kind of the woke community. Um, but people turned on them because they started questioning how they, you know, their works and what were their motives. And I, and I think it's always interesting when we start to try to get into people's brains and be like, what's your motives here? What are you really thinking? You know, and it's like, I'm trying to say what I think, you know, and watching people push back and forth. And, and, uh, cause sometimes we just don't belief isn't good enough. And that's, what's happening here is that they're saying believing isn't good enough. We want to see works. We want to see you go back to the, the law. We want to see you practicing these things. You know, this is how you need to do it. This is how the religion is supposed to be. And remember, at this time, some, some types of Christianity were still considered Judaism. So the fact that Paul is kind of breaking away from those traditions, who Paul was, a, a, a Pharisee and a Jew, and a, you know, very stepped and steeped into the Jewish tradition, but he's breaking this away. He's, 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 he's uh, causing a reformation. A reformation is happening. Like, Jesus came and brought this kind of reformation, and then, you know, a few years later, Paul comes and starts a new reformation and says, oh, no, we're even going to get more inclusive, and we're going to, grace is true, you know? And I think that's why Martin Luther, the the reformist, is so interesting, is because he kind of took Paul's, it was Paul's letters in Galatians that caused him to go, 
we're doing something wrong. We're missing something, you know. Um, also, just for the Facebook folks, I'm going to try not to answer any questions until we're, we're done, just because I realized last week I was just answering questions and making comments all through the talk. So I'm going to try to, just so people who are listening online don't get like, what, who is he talking to? Um, what I love about in the New Living Bible, the New Living Version, which is like a paraphrased Bible, it's like, what magician has cast a spell on you, you know? And it was as though I showed you a picture of Jesus being crucified on a signboard and you forgot, you know? And I like that just like real clarity that that, that translation offers. Because um, that's what Paul's saying. He's like, just like, how is it that you've forgotten the good news? You know? And I think we often just always get... You know, like I see this lately with the fights between like conservatives and liberals is we always kind of go back to, you know, the same arguments or we use each other's arguments before and say, well, you're not really a Christian because you don't do this. Well, you're not really a Christian because you did this, you know, and blah, 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 you know, and we, we, we just kind of argue, you know, back and forth rather than just kind of rather than listening to one another. And rather than than uh, being in grace with one another, I don't know where I was going with that, so I'm just going to shift back to what Paul's saying here. My dad would always say, "This is a time to pray when you lose your spot," but no, I don't have any notes today because I've done Galatians so many times. Um, so this is really cool because because Paul says this: just as Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him. As righteousness, so you see, those who believe are the descendants of Abraham. And the scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, declared the gospel beforehand through Abraham. All the Gentiles shall be blessed in you. For this reason, those who believe are blessed with Abraham who believed. Now remember, Abraham couldn't have children, and he had a vision. And God said, I'm going to give you, look at the star. No, he says, look at these stars. I'm going to give you children as many of these stars. And he said, okay, I believe you. Now, this is what I love about Abraham. And I think it's also what these folks would have all been schooled in. Is then all of a sudden Abraham says like, okay, I believe you. And then the next thing Abraham's doing is finding another woman to have sex with, to have kids with, because he doesn't really believe them. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's you see this, this, once again, what do we see? contradiction. You know, we see faith, and then we see him try to overcome it by works. Like, ah, maybe not. Maybe the promise isn't true. You know? And so you see that here is, 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 I like that Paul is using Abraham as an example, saying he was saved because of his faith, but even though his faith wasn't perfect. And I think we want this people to have perfect, pure motives in everything we do, you know, especially online. It just seems like we think that there's somebody out there with perfect, pure motives. And I would say, no, there's no one who's got perfect, pure motives. You know, I, just recently, I, just a few minutes ago, I mentioned Martin Luther King Jr. He had some imperfections. He had some issues. Martin Luther, the reformist, had some major issues that he unfortunately put to paper. Um, and so we see that no one is perfect. No one has it all together. 
or as Paul would say, I think in either Romans or Romans, is all fall short of the God, glory of God, but yet God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. You know, we all are not perfect. You know, we all have different motives. We all have contradictions. You know, often we're all trying to fill a void. You know, I'm sure that my idea of like continuously doing the same job for 24 or 25 years now uh, maybe 23 years, I don't know. Um, like, I want to tell people this message. I want to help people be free. I want people to understand grace. I want people to live life well. But I'm sure there's other things that I'm trying to fulfill. Like, my dad always thought I was lazy. You know, well, I'll show him 23 years later. Look, I'm doing the same thing, you know. <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> you know, I'm sure those, those your, your unconscious is very powerful, you know. And, and so we all have those things, Um we do things often without even knowing why, and that's okay. That's just part of life. That's part of the unconscious. It's powerful. Um, read some Freud. He'll tell you all about it. Um, and I say Freud because Freud is easy to read. Also, another example of not being perfect. Um, <laughs> so what do you know? Um, I, I was going to add to the sermon, but I think Paul does it for me. For all who rely on the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not obey and obey the things written in the book of the law. So it's basically saying if you don't follow, if you just, you can't pick and choose what you want to. And that's what he's, he's dealing with critics here is the critics are saying, well, they need to be circumcised and they need to not do this and this and they can be Christians and, and you know, Christian Judaism. You know, and he's saying, no, 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 no. It's not about doing this or that. Um, you know, you can't just select which one's going to make you right and which one's going to make you wrong. He's saying, you know, it's by grace, it's not by works, you are accepted, so accept it. Um, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. The one who is righteous will live by faith, but the law does not rest on faith. On the contrary, whoever does the work of the law will have to live by them. So if you're going to have, he's saying, like, if you really want to live by the law, you have to live by the whole law. You have to fulfill the law. You have to live by them. You can't just, you know, I just said this a second ago, you can't just pick and choose, but he's really saying, like, you know, you the law is is, is is going to trick you up. It's going to fall. You know, I think... You know, a lot of people say, well, Jesus came to, to die for our sins. And I always think that maybe Jesus came, if Jesus is truly the Son of God, it came to show us the nature of God, not necessarily to die, but to show us what the nature of God was because we, we wanted to create all these things. We want rules. We want regulations. We want things to be simple. The law gives us order. Grace gives us chaos. Trust me, when you start giving grace to your enemies and grace to those people, you will notice chaos. I live a life of trying to give grace to people who don't always love me, who don't always respect me, who sometimes don't even want to be friends with me. And showing that type of grace and continuing to pursue those relationships, even when there is no payback, um, it makes things chaotic. It makes things hard. It hurts. It's painful. It's not easy, you know, but 
and the hard thing is with the things of like media and the television and, and, and even social media often tells us is, you know, don't do things that hurt. You know, we, I love the idea of self-care, but I love the idea of self-care just to kind of take a step back, retreat a little bit, do some self-care, and then go back out. You know, for me, I want to continue to move forward and live in the chaos of life because life is chaotic. Life is chaos, I think. I sound like the Joker from the second Batman. Um, you know, we're all looking for these, 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 and that's kind of what the law was, is the secret to success, the secret to having everything together. And, th- and that's what certainty in faith is. A lot of people have real certainty in their belief systems is, is that it kind of offers us this warm place. And then when you start questioning things and asking questions, things get uncomfortable and you're unsure and you start to feel doubt and all that kind of stuff and it gets difficult. But that's just living life. You know, there just aren't certainties in this world. You know, I would love it if, if like, I was walking home and a bush just caught on fire and started talking to me. I would just pull out my Instagram phone and just film it and be like, all right, we got it, you know. Um, Of course, everyone would be like, how did you do that? Um, (laughs) Even that wouldn't prove it. Um, You know, but I would have the proof and that's all I need. But I don't, you know. I live by faith. I live by hope. I uh, I live by doubt. Um. I'm starting to embrace the, the contradictions and the chaos of life. Um, and so Paul's saying, get ready. There's, it's going to be a little chaotic, you know. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So, you know, Paul is, is big in um, atonement theory, and, and I, I understand why. Um, I, don't, I, I have some issues with atonement theory because I don't think if God is really what God is or what God would be or could be, uh, why there would be a need for blood or sacrifice. Um, but that was the understanding of the theology and religion of the time, so I understand that. Um, and I still understand people who hold on to that. I mean, you know, like, it's here, some black and white, Jay. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> we'll talk about theology later. Um, brothers and sisters, he says in 15, I give an example from the daily life. Once a person will, once, <clears throat> once a person wills, Wills, will, a will, like when you die, has been ratified. No one adds to it or annuls it. Now the promise were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings as of many, but it says, and I think Paul's getting a little creative here, (laughs) but it says and to your offspring. That is, to one person who is Christ. All right, Paul, I'll give it to you, but you're starting to sound like me when I preach. Um, but I love that because that was also a way in Judaism how they would argue, like, see, there's no S there, so we got a big problem. <laughs> Let's look at it. That is to say, the one person who is Christ. My point is this. 
The law which came 430 years later does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. For if the inheritance comes from the law, it is no longer comes from the promise. But God granted it to Abraham through the promise. So he's saying basically is 430 years prior to the law being given, the promise of grace and acceptance was given to Abraham. So what's the bigger picture? Okay, now we're getting, I'm getting very literal with this. It's hard for me not to because that's how I've always kind of always taught this letter. Um, but the idea is that acceptance and grace has been here before the law, before the works. Hope, love, these type of things were there before religious tradition. You know, before all of our qualifiers, you know. And as we grow and we learn and we become part of different cultures and hang out with different types of people, uh, we, we take on those cultures. We take on those traditions. And, um, and then we have different qualifiers of who, we will, who qualifies to be within our friendship or not in our friendship, you know? And so I grew up mostly a particular way, and then I was uh, disillusioned, so I ran to another way, and then I hung out with a different group of people, and so I, now I have all these qualifiers of, like, who's in and who's out. And um, what's really great is when you're able to go back to the promise of Abraham, and it just says, get rid of the qualifiers. It's It's done. But how am I going to argue on Twitter if I don't have the qualifiers? You know? How am I going to stir shit up? You know? But I feel like it's the long game is living a life of grace. You know? If I look and examine my career, I know there's certain things I could say and certain things I could do and certain people I could exclude from my life and certain people I could include into my life that would help my career. But I have been blinded by this concept of grace. I've been beat up by Abraham's promise. You know? So I don't want to play the short game. You know? And I'm not saying like eternity. I'm not thinking eternity. I'm not thinking life after death. I'm thinking life before death. I just want to do good work and help people be free. Free free from these constructs that culture has built and put them in. Free to have hard conversations. Free to love people who don't love back. Um, Free to think. That's an act of rebellion is to think for yourself. You know? That's a tough rebel, to rebel against, especially if your your crew is the cool crew and you start to want to think for yourself or you're the politically correct crew or the socially acceptable crew is to start to think for yourself is really tough. That's why I love philosophy because it really encourages me to think for myself and embrace even, you know, even the contradictions within that and the struggles within that, but to do that. And it's really tough. Oh, it's really tough, you guys. I mean, 
it would be nice to have a set of rules and a set of ideas, and, and I, but I'm not going to let society do that. And I just don't think, I think that's what Paul is saying. He's like, you know, guys, we're living in a society that says it wants you to act this way, this way, this way. And maybe people would think you're part of a real religion if you, you know, got circumcised or if you follow these certain things. But this isn't what it's about. And the idea of following a man who claimed to be the son of God, who was crucified, was already not very cool. They say that they think the first graffiti that they've ever found was actually graffiti mocking a crucified God. So it was actually mocking Jesus. And it's this picture. And there, you can find it. I think you can Google it. I'm pretty sure you can. I think I've Googled it before. I haven't seen it in years. But, um, but this idea of like, you idiots. Why would you? This isn't, where you want to, this isn't where you want to put your faith in some dead dude who was tortured by Rome. You know, it's like, it would be like saying like, oh yeah, our savior was um, killed in the electric chamber in 1972 uh, but man, he was a really good guy. Um, the state killed him wrongly, of course. And you know what I mean. And you just be like, "What? Yeah, no, no, he's totally a son of God. He actually might be God." And he was put in the electric chair. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's totally going to set us all free, and it's totally cool. Trust me, you know. Well, what do you do to be part of this religion? Oh, you don't do anything. That's the great part. You're just in, man. You know, it's like, well, you know, well, do you have to believe or not? Well, some of us think that you just have to like say a prayer, and then some of us believe you just accept it. Some of you believe you just receive it. You know, I just believe it's for everybody. You know, but, but, but you know, you know, he died in that electric chair, so it's you know, it makes sense, right? You know, you're like it makes completely zero sense, and that's how as we sit here and think that that's so ridiculous. That's exactly how ridiculous it sounded to people at the time when Jesus was crucified. You know? Just like, you're on a losing team. Come on, guys. This is ridiculous. You know? I one time was, years ago, I was in, I was in, uh, at a bar in Brooklyn, and I was sitting with a friend, and his friend was a uh, Mormon. And he was sitting there, and he was making fun of, fun of him, kind of. He's like, hey, Jay, how about the, you know, my buddy believes that you have to put on special glasses to see the special plates and do all that, you know, because all the Mormon stuff is, seems kind of weird. And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, and I believe that like a carpenter guy became, you know, geez, God was a carpenter and he died on a, crucified on a cross, you know, and he was like, what? And I'm like, they both sound a little crazy, don't they? You know, special glasses or God carpenter, you know, I think he'd get a better job. Like at least a mason, you know, a shape rocks. And so we'd be like, oh, he shapes rocks like he shapes us, you know? <laughs> but Harrison Ford was a carpenter, so I get it. Um, <laughs> but uh, so there is absurdity. Grasp the absurdity. When people say you're absurd, you know, okay, it causes us to look at things, it causes us to think about things. Um, So, so Paul is saying, like, this is obviously like a will. You don't change a will after someone dies. Abraham's promise was like a will, and it did not change just because the law came into to, to play. So he's arguing with the people who are saying Jesus isn't enough. They want a Jesus plus or grace plus, and we all want grace plus. Oh, we all do. Oh, we so badly do. I so badly do too, man. I want grace plus, I was thinking, you know what I mean? Like, I forgive you, 
But funny thing is, I just got a few things I need to say. You know, that's how we like our grace. You know, I, I posted something the other day on my, my Facebook account um, about loving your enemy. And then, you know, like, and then when it really gets weird is when you start loving other people's enemies. And then life gets really tricky, you know, and you might lose a friend or two, you know. And then someone's like, are you saying we should enable people? You know, I'm like, okay, first of all, I only had 130 characters or 140 characters, whatever you have on Twitter. Second of all, like, did my quote say anything about loving enablers? You know, like, you can't love your abuser. You can't love those people. So I get that. I understand that. But I also understand that that's an asterisk. I'm talking about a radical reading of grace. I'm talking about a maybe anarchist understanding of grace. So this is where it gets hard, folks. Loving your enemies. It doesn't say you love some enemies. Jesus didn't say, love some of your enemies, but not the ones that are kind of gaslighting you. You know, He said, love all your enemies. Okay, and I get to do this. I've never done, been able to do this before. I didn't write it. Don't blame me. You know, that's when people are like telling me about how you know, God is judgmental and, and, and wants justice, and you're all going to go to hell, but don't blame me. I mean, I didn't make up hell. So now I'm saying, don't blame me. I didn't make up grace, you know. Um, I mean, if you want to blame me for grace, <laughs> sure, I'll take it. Um, when I was with uh, Soul Force, we had talked to this one church, and then they stopped working with uh, they stopped working with Exodus, this anti you know this this gay reparative therapy group. The church stopped working with them, and they're like, we blame Exodus visit on that. I mean, we blame Soul, Soul Force's work for coming into the church, and, and, and we blame them for the fact that they ended our relationship. Honestly, I don't think that's why they ended their relationship with them, but I was like, sure. You know, I mean, if that's what you want to say, I'm glad to take, the, <laughs> take that. Um, so, but I've also said that grace can be loving from afar, just for some of you who are like, uh, I don't know if I want, you know, yes, you can give grace from people that you're not around. Matter of fact, I actually prefer that um, but sometimes you don't have that choice. That's the thing is like, I don't want to love my, my, my people who hurt me or I don't want to love the, uh, the, you know, the enabler, the, you know, things like that. And I'm not saying that you have to go like hang out with them every day um, because that would just be miserable. But I also want to say you might have to hang out with them every day. They might be your boss. They might be your spouse. They might be your parents. They might be someone who's good to your kids but not good to you. You know what I mean? They might be, there just might not be a situation that you're like able to get out of. But also grace is communicating with people. Paul is showing us exactly that by doing that. He's not saying that grace just gets ran over. He's saying grace will speak truth too because he's obviously speaking truth to his critics and saying, guys, you got to get grace. I mean, he's explaining it to him. He's not just like, I love you, so... Good luck with, you know, getting everybody circumcised, you know. You know, no, he's confronting the issue of the time. It, it's not, you know, grace grows within us and it matures in us just like everything else. And, and you know, uh, like theology or if you want to understand philosophy, there's, you know, you can't just go by the dummies book guide to philosophy, you know, and then sit down with Pete Rollins and have an argument. 
I tried it, didn't work so well. He threw out a few, few $5 words and I was done. Um, but now we have good conversations. And I was like, oh man, you know, I had good conversations with you about philosophy. You know, why can't you just write a beginner's book to your theology? And he's like, do you know why we have conversations, Jay? And I was like, why? And he's like, because you've put in work. You've read books. You've taken time. So like that, grace does take time to mature and grow in us. It's not just this, you know, overnight thing. Um, You know, so, and I think it's graceful to stand up to people like when me and and Caleb went to uh, the protest against having kids in cages, you know. It wasn't like we were saying, no grace for Trump, you know. What we were saying was, is let's end this, you know, and by ending this, hopefully he'll find some grace. You know? But these children deserve to be treated right, and we're going to speak truth to power, and hopefully that power will change and see grace. You know, they're probably not going to see it from a sign that I'm holding, but maybe they'll say, oh, what are people thinking? Maybe the empathy will come into that. And I know a lot of you are so angry and so hurt by someone like Donald Trump that you think, that man has zero capacity of empathy. Well, he might have a psychological issue. You know, he might be mentally ill. I'm mentally ill. How do you feel about the mentally, mentally ill? Do you have compassion for them? Okay, I'm going to stop now because I'm going to get in trouble. And, and I don't want to get in trouble. I don't mind getting in trouble with the conservatives. They're a little bit more graceful. Bam. Yes, I did. Mic drop. Um, they have to be because their numbers are shrinking. Um, let's go on. Why then the law? Yeah, Paul, why the law, buddy? Um, it was added because of transgressions until the offspring would come to whom the promise had been made. And it was ordained through, here you go, angels or messengers, if you want to get literal, by a mediator. Now, a mediator involves more than one party, but God is one. Is the law then opposed for the promise of God? Is the law then opposed to the promise of God? And Paul gets very clear here with an exclamation point. Certainly not. Certainly not. Um, For if the law had been given that could make us alive, then the righteous would be indeed come through the law. Righteousness would then come through the law. But the scripture has imprisoned all things under the power of sin, so that what was promised through the faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So he's trying to say, like, if sin is brokenness, which I kind of think that's better understanding of sin, you know, he's just saying um, we were imprisoned by this law, by these ideas that tried to fix our brokenness by actions and by do A, B, C, or D. And then Paul's coming to say, you know, those were there for a while to help us deal with that. But Jesus has come to show us that well, our brokenness has to, we have to accept our brokenness. We're just not going to fix it through rituals or through customs or through this. He's like, you know, what, what needs to help us with our, our brokenness is that we just have to accept that we're broken. 
We have to receive in a way with this whole idea of like receiving Jesus is saying, I'm receiving the idea that I'm broken and that I need grace. I'm re- I'm, I understand that I'm a bit of a contradiction and that I have contradictions in my own life. And so I just have got to be easier on myself and realize that there's no silver bullet for my brokenness. Um, Life After Hegel talks about the idea that we'll never get free from our contradictions. We might be able to have a little bit better strength, I mean, a little idea when them when we accept our contradictions in our lives, but we will always be contradiction. We'll always have contradiction in our life. And I feel like this is the same thing as it's like saying accept the contradiction. Live with it. You know? So by receiving... This idea of receiving Jesus, I think we can look at it in a broader term of saying it's just accepting an infinite truth of humanity, of our brokenness, and that we're all broken, that we all have contradictions in our lives. Receive that because the law is not going to magically fix it. As a matter of fact, you're accepted, but it doesn't mean you're not broken. You know, no one's perfect. And guess what? You'll never be perfect. It's pretty crazy, right? If you kind of look at it in a broader term. This is what theology and philosophy, when they get mixed, are supposed to do, right? Is they're supposed to help us have a broader, take a look back and not just, you know, I, I want to live. I, I hope this is encouraging some of you to live, you know, Um I, I think some people want. I'm not trying to ask anybody to do anything that I am not trying to do. From from this chair, or pulpit, or whatever you want to call it, you know. Um, and I am not selling you anything that's easy. I'm not selling you anything. I'm not getting any much for it. You know, I, I make, barely make a living doing this. Um, and like I said earlier on when I was just talking, I'm like, you know, I felt like, oh, yeah, you can have two conflicting emotions. And then this weekend I had a really tough weekend, and I felt like I had eight conflicting emotions, and I can't choose which one is right. And I don't know. Maybe they're all right, you know. But, but I'm living through it. A year ago I was not living through it. A year ago, I took a bottle full of sleeping pills because I wanted to not wake up. Okay? I failed at it. And I've never told anybody this, but a few weeks later, I wanted to, I tried to do something again. You know, so I know what it's like to suffer and not want to live anymore to the point where you think your children will be better off without you. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to feel like you have to be around weird people, strange people who don't love you and don't care about you, you know, um, or that you don't add up, that you're not enough, and that just life is too hard and you just can't make it anymore. But what I'm here to tell you is, is I'm glad I failed. I'm glad that I have friends who care about me and love me and help me through those really tough times. Pete Rollins is the reason I made it through the second time. Um, 
but there was no magic silver bullet. I really have to learn to live life on life's terms, folks. There's no amount of yoga that will change that. There's no amount of me just staying in my house and being in a safe space. You know what? When I go into rooms that are safe spaces and I sit with other people, I don't feel safe. I'm an introvert. I don't feel safe around other people. You know, so when I say love your enemies, love those who persecute you, to do these things, I'm genuinely saying I'm trying my best to do this. I know you can do it. And I know it hurts like hell. I know what the darkness is like. I know what the demons are like. I have them all myself. I just, you know, I just feel lately I've gotten such pushback of people who are just these like, well, Jay, you can't demand people to do that. I'm not trying to demand anybody to do that. I'm just saying I can't demand them to do it, but they're going to have to do it, you know? My, um, a family member of mine got bullied the other day by some kids, and she's a little girl, and it broke my heart. Um, it wasn't fair. Um, and her mother stepped up to the kids parents and said, you know, she's got a a medical issue, you know, this really isn't right, and this hurts her, you know, and they didn't respond in the best way, but they responded, and I I loved what she did there because I felt like it was, she could have gotten really angry and told them to go to hell and raise their kids better, but instead she took the time to explain what was going on with the hope that they might get empathy and maybe take their kids home and teach them how to treat people who are different or look different or aren't the same as them. Okay? The fact is, is there's no safe place she can go, that little girl. That breaks my heart. I'm sorry I'm getting emotional, but it breaks my heart. You know. So this idea that you know, we have the luxury, I mean, I think it's such a freaking... American thought is that we create these safe spaces. Those are temporary. We all have to live life on life's terms. And that's why I'm preaching this stuff is because, you know, I'm a part of a 12-step group called AA, which I'm not supposed to talk about publicly, but damn it. Um, And we argue in AA about how things should be run. You know, and there are a ton of rules and regulations put in there so we don't. But there's still politics. There's still mean people. There's still people who treat each other like hell and use each other. You know, there's still personality conflict there. It's not, there's just no silver bullet, folks. And I think that's what Paul's, this is what I'm pulling. Maybe this is a radical reading of Paul because I asked Pete to help me with a radical reading of Paul and he didn't. Um, <laughs> bastard. Um, but he's my best friend, so I can say that. Um, but, I think I'm getting it anyway. And I think this is what, if we pull out and just don't take it just for just, just that letter value, but if we take it further and go, okay, what is really being said here? You know, it's like, I'm going to stop getting on my high horse in a second, but it's like the idea of like heaven or something like that, you know, um, like this place where there'll be no suffering and no, no hardships and all this kind of thing. You know, the ideas of these, like, fantasies that we build that we can find these places, it's just, you know, they, re- they really don't, they really don't, you know, exist. 
here on earth. I mean, I hope there's a heaven. Man, I want to hang out with my mom and laugh and hang out with like Jimi Hendrix and <laughs> Elvis, if he's even dead. And, uh, you know, Martin Luther King and all these folks and have really good conversations and arguments. Um, and Batman, because that would be really cool. Um, <laughs> oh, Batman's not there. He's still alive. Um, he's in Gotham. That's right. Um, Caleb corrected me. Thanks, buddy. Um, no, but I'm trying to think of the word. Is what, what is it like these societies? What is this perfect societies that we sometimes dream of? Utopia, utopian societies. You know, it's like we have these dreams of utopian societies, and you just, there's no utopia. You know, watch any horror movie about utopian societies, and that's what you know really what you get. You know, cults are usually you know utopian societies. You know, um, and maybe just for like one person, the cult leader. You know, and even that poor person is usually a mess inside because why else would you try to do that? Because you want to escape life. And often people see religion as a way to escape life. And Paul's going like, guys, this isn't a way for us to separate us from them. And that's what's happening. Is that's why Peter and, and, and James's group all said, we're going to sit over here. And Barnabas said, we're all going to sit over here because it was us and them. You can't separate each other. He's saying there's no utopian society where we sit over here and we're better than them and we're all good to go and you guys are the, the bad guys and we're not like you. Aren't we good because we're not like you? Does that sound like anybody you know? We're good and you're bad. Paul's saying, no, we all sit together. You know, but what if we cut ourselves or, you know, what if we have really cool tattoos or, you know, <laughs> jackets, we'll get jackets and we'll all, you know, we'll be a gang, you know, that's, we'll be safe and we'll be over here and we'll be, over, you know, Paul's saying, no, that's not going to happen. And he's about to just, he's just about to take it and just make a home run in a second with that concept. But he's saying, no, there is no perfect society. There is no us and them anymore. And I, I, I think... And he's trying to argue that as it, through Jesus. And so I'm going to try to argue that saying through Jesus is by accepting Jesus, you're accepting brokenness. You're accepting the idea of being abandoned by God as Christ felt that he was on cross. You're accepting the brokenness. You're accepting suffering. You're accepting life on life's terms. You know, you're a carpenter, not a king. You know? Um. One of the, I, I put a quote up from uh, Huey, gosh, what's Huey's last name? The Black Panther. Um, and he was saying, you know, one thing you need to learn about being, well, Huey Newton? I think it's Huey J. Newton. Yeah, but Huey Newton, I think it is. And he said, um, one thing you have to know about being a revolutionary is that you're doomed to fail, basically. That, I'm, but you're doomed to have a bad life. If you want to be a revolutionary, you're doomed. Jesus was kind of a revolutionary and was doomed, you know. I mean, that's life on life's terms. This is what the book we're reading. This is the person we say we want to follow, you know. I mean, could you imagine if Jesus was like, oh, I don't hang out with people who trigger me. I mean, seriously. You know? Oh, yeah, the, can you keep the Pharisees out? Because they, mm, I'm not really digging them, you know. Um, no. Instead, he just talked to him and corrected him and said, actually, this is why I'm here. You know? 
Paul, if anybody had an excuse to sit at the other table, it was Paul for everything that he was taught growing up and learned. Is this thing on? Um, I haven't talked this way about Galatians ever, I don't think, and I haven't felt this much passion about Galatians in probably three years. Um, Now, before it came, we were imprisoned to guardians. Oh, I think I read that. We might be justified by faith, but that faith has discipline for Christ Jesus. Okay, here we go. We're going to end it on a high note, folks. Huey P. Newton. Why did I say J? Because I'm Freudian slip right there. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Huey Jamie Charles Baker Newton. Um, yeah, it was Huey P. Newton. Thank you. Um, there's a really amazing movie on, on the Black Panthers, and I can't remember the title of it right now, but I, I can't recommend it enough. Um, it's so funny. Most of my heroes are, 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 are radicalized black men because they've suffered through so much, you know? And I, I, I see Christ in that. Not just men, humans. And people like Harvey Milk, too, LGBTQ, people who've suffered and been on the outside and then just said, nope, not anymore. Not anymore, you know. I'm going to go into things. I'm going to shake things up, you know. And it's kind of strange how a lot of them, you know, like even Malcolm X became like Paul, the apostle. Like he became like more inclusive during the end of his life. You know, and I'm just like, boom, you know, like, yeah, we still got to focus on this, but you know what? Maybe other people can help. And I'm like, going like, ah. you know, it's just mind boggling. Um, sorry. All right. I'm going to try to wrap things up. Did I read 23? Does anybody remember? I think I did. So I'm going to skip it. And if I did, if I did skip it, then um, you guys are going to have to just go back to, uh, a previous sermon to hear me talk about 23. But it's more stuff about believing in Jesus and being made right and all that stuff. So, And I've already kind of covered that idea of what I'm, I'm saying is embracing our brokenness. And he's talking about being baptized. I'll start at 20, 37, 27. As many of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. So to clothe yourself with Christ, once again, that's the whole idea of accepting the whole thing. Um, 28 goes and says this. Now this is where we really, where I think Paul hits a home run and uh, I keep looking for my watch because my time doesn't show up on my phone when this is on. Um, there is no longer... You know the one I'm about to talk about? Oh, yeah, there is a clock up right there. Yeah, 1216. I'm going a little long again. Um, there is no longer Jew or Greek. Okay, so Paul's saying, guess what? There's nothing separating us anymore. Um, this is often why you'll hear in churches when people say, like, you know, lay your identity down, which is something in our culture we all are struggling because a lot of us are fighting to stay alive because of our identities. Um, but I think he's, what he's trying to say is, is, is in, in, in all this brokenness, there's not identities. Um, some of the things that I've learned from my friends who've been through hell and back and definitely grew up in completely different situations than me 
uh, from different cultures, different races, different sexualities, and everything like that, is the one thing that we've been able to bond on often is brokenness and pain and suffering. And when it doesn't become a competition, because I think that's dangerous, is when you, <laughs> dangerous and unfruitful when you start to compete who's had it worse, um, because we can always do that. I mean, I, we can go on the, online and find out, you know, just look at people outside of this country. Um, but um, but when, we've, when we love each other and we're sitting there or talking about just different pains and sharing our brokenness and sharing our suffering, um, it is really a great equalizer. You know? Pain really, you know, and there's some people who haven't suffered as much as others. I mean, I get that, but I'm just saying often pain is pain, and sometimes people's situations might be down here, but their pain was real, you know, and connecting through those types of pain and through that brokenness brings us together. Um, and that's when we become human. I mean, it's really weird. You all of a sudden become those people like in a human situation, you know, and uh, I understand I'm saying that as a freaking heterosexual white male and so you know take it for what it's worth honestly don't you don't have to believe me on that i I know that i'm on the top of the chain so um easy for me to say right you know um but there is no longer jew or greek there is no longer slave or free and there is no longer male or female so paul takes all the hierarchy that's there compares it to the people who are seen lowly, because women didn't even, weren't even considered to barely be humans at the time. Um, and he's saying, guess what? There's not a difference between male or female. And, and Paul was a good example of that because he had females who worked for him. Matter of fact, his whole ministry was supported by women. And Jesus too. Okay, so, and, and there's good, good, good cause to believe that there were women apostles and disciples that weren't mentioned. Because if you go into like original translations of the Bible, it doesn't say brothers and sisters. It usually just says brothers because it was a hierarchical, what is the, the word I'm looking for? Patriarchal society. Completely was, you know? Um, that's why we don't realize sometimes how powerful it was. It's like Jesus going to the woman at the well was such a huge thing. And it was saying so much, even if you didn't read it. You know what I mean? You didn't go through and dissect it. You're just like, Jesus, the woman of the well with the Samaritan, with someone who was seen as like both good and bad mixed together and nobody wanted. <clears throat> there was a reason that, that was really radical for Jesus to do. So it took me to read Paul for me to go back and go like, oh, Jesus' mere action of just having a conversation at the well was completely radical. It could be this particular situation that got him killed, where everybody was like, nope, we're done. Done with Jesus, you know, not only is he hanging out with traitors, he's hanging out with people they could consider mixed breed. Oh, and it was a woman on top of that. I mean, that's why they didn't want children. Jesus said, let all the little children come to me, and everybody, like, lost their minds that children were... Because children were seen as even lower and lower than even women at the time. Okay? So Paul is saying here... And I can't wait to read some of these reactions on Facebook, especially when I get home, because some people write really long explanations, and I can't read them because my see more button doesn't work. Um, 
28, there is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus, or our brokenness, and all belong to the offspring, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Now this is where it ends with the verses, and then it goes to chapter 4, and I'm just going to stick with that, because if I don't, I'll go on for 18 hours. Um <sighs> And there's somewhere that there's no longer a barbarian or, you know, or, you know, it says that. Um, but Paul is trying to say, is like, you guys, you just can't create a hierarchy to the point where he's like, religion isn't the answer. Social constructs aren't the answer. Identity is not the answer. What the answer is, is realizing that we are broken and often abandoned. And that's why I keep coming to grace and acceptance because it's all there is. That's what brings us all together. I know that I'm probably not being Jesus-y enough for some people. Um, if you want me to be more Jesus-y, I can be. But, I mean, he is saying that that's what Jesus did, is that basically got rid of all these social constructs. But he's actually saying Jesus, God did that way before, 430 years even before the law, and was saying there's going to be no more social constructs. We aren't going to find identity in this. We're going to find identity in brokenness, in accepting that we're accepted. God, <clears throat> I could have preached this 20 years ago and felt very uncomfortable for different reasons. <laughs> Today I feel more uncomfortable because I'm like, are my progressive friends not going to like what I just said? Um, it gets really weird when you make everybody mad. But it's also kind of freeing and nice to be a rebel. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what Paul's fighting for. That's what I hope I'm fighting for doing this church and doing messages like this. Um, right now we're going to do uh, Afterglow. We've gone a little long, but we're still going to do it. Um, I have to pick my kids up so I can't go too long. Um, but we're going to have, this is where we just do like response, res- responses or questions or comments or pushback or push forward. Um, <laughs> and so we're going to do that. We've got a mic. I'm going to actually maybe, do you, can you see the comments on there or no? Yeah. Do you want to hit us with a couple of those first since they've sure. been making them all through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I've been kind of keeping an eye on it and pretty much it's been people just Agreeing with you and then sharing their own experiences. Um, uh, one specific question was, for the future of the church, where's the best place to share our hurt together? How do we regularly create a safe container for sharing and supporting each other? I have no idea. I mean, I'm doing this. Um, I think books, <laughs> reading good books. Um, where do we share each other? Bars coffee shops, each other's homes, community, you know. Most of the people I share those things with don't even come to church, which is really funny. It's just people in the community. And I just never wanted to be a church that created its own community, you know. I think I just want to be a part of community. But, like, for me, I'm... I don't have a lot of friends, but it's the few friends I do have, it's with them. 
you know. I had a great conversation with my buddy Pete the other day on the phone. We talked for about an hour, and it was just awesome. And I remember afterwards telling somebody, like, I had this really great, you know, it's just weird, you know, really great conversation on the phone with Pete. <clears throat> so that's one good conversation we've had after the 500. Anything else? There's a lot I see. Yeah, there have been a lot of people just kind of uh, saying nice. Talking, well, talking back and forth with each other, oh, too, which cool. is kind of cool. That's great. Uh, someone else did say, and then we can, maybe somebody, if anybody here has anything, but uh, just I'll read one more off the feed here for right now. Um, I, I think her name's JL, I think, if I'm yeah. pronouncing that right. It hurts people's feelings to say that their experiences aren't as intense. I still tell them, but. I specify, oh, I still tell them, but I specify that you don't have to go through the same level of racism or struggle for me to care about your pain if I care about you. Amen. Isn't that great, though? Because she's saying there's no qualifier here. We're not going to try to be like, who qualifies to talk about their pain? We're just going to sit here and talk about the pain. You know? It'd be interesting to be able to just like sit down with a group of people and have them all write down just about the pain, no specifics, but just about the pain and the feeling and that, you know, and then read them and yeah. see where the, I'm sure there's been research on that. All right. Anybody else here? Or do we want to? Oh, Vicky. Sorry, everybody. You have to look at me, but Vicky's speaking. You can hear on the mic. Yeah, one day we'll have multiple cameras and screens in the background and smoke machines. It's okay. I, I don't mind to not be on camera. Um, I just wanted to read something I wrote kind of in line with what you said today, which I think was very powerful and real, that sometimes, you know, the law gives us a false sense of security. It's a, it's a, we allow ourselves to be controlled so that we, sometimes so that we don't have to really look at what's going on inside. So it can be a form of denial. Yeah. But um, this is about identity and identity politics in a sense. Moses asked them, capital T-H-E-M, whom shall I say sent me? What's your name? He, like Charlton Heston, was rather a pussy, (laughs) overly concerned about his street cred with the hordes. So he wanted to be absolutely certain he had enough information to convince the Hebrews he had encountered the divine. They replied, tell them I am sent me. Now, I don't speak Hebrew, but I know if I was conversing in English with someone who ended his sentence with I am, I would consider this to be an incomplete thought. You are what, I would wonder, a liberal, an IRS agent, a philanthropist, a mechanic, or, are, or you are currently engaged in what activity? Sleeping, running, shouting, shooting? In Western culture, we require sufficient data to categorize the other, to determine his economic status, his class, so to speak, in our classless society. This enables us to compare his level of success to our own, so we can hopefully experience a momentary sense of superiority or at the very least of self-righteous condemnation of our political structure that privileges those of his race or gender. As homo sapiens, we by nature need to know, to minimize reality, 
compressing the mystery into thought bites that will fit within our minds the size of baby cauliflowers. So we can explain the universe using only our niggardly vocabularies. For us who must understand, must believe we control, the name I am is terrifyingly vague. How do we identify with or predict the behavior of the three who simply are? Unlike us, the sacred considers the mere declaration of their existence with no further qualifiers, a sufficient representation. And since they are three, I would describe the divine not as I am, but as we be. Mm. And to me, that's, that's like living in grace where we are. I am. Yeah. And I don't need to try to be other. <laughs> but God accepts me as I am. Wow. Very cool. Any more feedback or afterglow? <laughs> Any more glowing? We good? Well, awesome, guys, uh, gals, and everyone else. Thank you so much, uh, everyone, for watching online, um, for coming. Uh, Revolution, <clears throat> here's my fun favorite part of the service, is a nonprofit. And we survive through your um, support. And if you'd like to help support our work and what we do, you can go to uh, revolutionchurch.com and donate. I think there's even one on the Facebook page, um, but I don't know. I'm a very disorganized human being. Um, but, yeah, we really want to do more, and we'd like to hire Caleb, who does most of our podcasting and audio stuff, to eventually. So we're really working towards that, if you want to know what we're going to try to do with that and um, you know, have more of a presence online and uh, in community. Anyhow, I think... I have one thing, too, just uh, for the people online listening and anyone here. Um, we're, we have one more batch of Meet Your Congregation that we're doing that's knocking out the rest that I had people scheduled on the back burner. So if there's anybody, any new uh, people who haven't yet reached out, then please do that on, on Instagram or via email because we, we're looking for more people to, to talk to. So Yeah, so we're doing... Meet your congregation if you'd like to be interviewed by me and Caleb to talk about your involvement with Revolution. Um, check us out on Instagram or send us an email. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Hi, I'm Caleb with Post-Christian Podcasting. If you enjoyed this episode, you might also like The Sacred Collective. I find it empowering to say, I am a Christian, and this is what that looks like to me. Mm -hmm. Like, you can say you're a Christian, and that's what it looks like to you, and then you can look at me and say, oh no, you're not a Christian, you're, not, you're a heretic, you're doing this wrong and that wrong, you should believe this, but you don't, or, or you know, you, you, you misunderstand this interpretation of scripture. Okay, fine, but guess what? My assertion that I am a Christian is no less valid than anybody else's yeah. assertion of, of, of Christianity. If this is American Christianity now, if this is my Christianity now, it is no less valid than any other iteration of something that has been called Christianity. Yeah, yeah. That was a post-Christian podcast. <laughs>